0: For our second message today, we have a sermon from Pastor Steve Andrews entitled, Search the Scriptures, for they testify of me. Mr. Andrews. Thanks, Reg. Greetings to all that are here and that are tuned in on our internet, and I appreciate uh, fact that we're going to have a little bit faster of internet here pretty soon too that's really looking forward to that and I know hopefully um, it'll help those who um, like to be able to get onto their internet while they're here but also for those that may be tuning in and getting a little clearer picture um, and we're looking forward to that. I uh, Speaking of that I, I made the mistake the other day of Actually, download or looking at one of my own messages, and it kind of scared me a little bit I, i'm not um, I didn't realize how many times I was bending over and doing this and doing that, so i'm going to try a little differently today to look out, look up and and try to stand a little taller and you know, all of the things that uh, we used to learn in the spokesman club you know it, it's uh, one of those things that you every once in a while you've got to look at yourself what am I doing? How am I doing out there? Am I doing any good? Am I actually bringing this message to to um, everyone, in the way that uh, uh, God would want me to do that, and so I, 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 I'm glad that we we have the ability to go back and look at ourselves. Although it does, uh, it does uh, scare me a little bit. Uh, if you were, if you were a, a scholar, a, um, a teacher, uh, a learner of, of, of the scriptures, back around. Zero or or one before this common era. You might be looking for signs. You might be looking into the scriptures and and wondering. When is Christ going to come back? When is he going to return? You might be one of those scholars that's looking at and, and, and seeing the scriptures. That talk about the kingdom of God on the earth and all of that because in the in the Old Testament there there were a lot of scriptures about that, but you might have missed that most profound thing that first coming of Jesus Christ, that first they call it advent, but it would be the first coming of Christ and you, you might have missed those scriptures and you might have overlooked them if you were a scholar. now realize those people that were studying could even if you were a, a Greek scholar, you would have that um, Alexandrian uh, manuscripts. We call it the Septuagint at this day. There's been a lot of them trying to, to get that different, but everybody knows it as a Septuagint. But it is the Greek Old Testament. so and You can get a copy of it. You could read through it. And the words just are, are all in Greek. Uh, in translations, very interesting, but also... You might also have the ability to read your um, Torah the first five books or all the rest of it in the synagogue that you might go to the synagogue and and, re- and read in Hebrew or have it read in Hebrew or Aramaic if if you were living in that time and and so these scriptures would be available to you and you'd be able to 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 reason and look at them. And so today, let's turn to the first scripture that's in John, the fifth chapter. And especially, look at what Jesus said. And I'm not going to read all of this. this, There's a lot there that's in it. And by the way, even though I am going to search some of the scriptures today, there is no way I'm going to be able to cover everything that is in the Old Testament about our Savior and His coming to this earth, both before his first coming and his second coming, because it is so vast and there's so much in there. But I'm going to touch on a few, maybe some that we, we haven't covered for a while, and others that we have covered in, in different times. So I would like to look at those. So in John the fifth chapter, I'm just beginning in verse thirty nine, he he commands them he and well, commands us to search the scriptures. And we know what, they did not have what we call the New Testament at that time. Uh, And so we know that those, what we call the Old Testament is what they would be searching. So he, he told them to search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. It's interesting, you should be able to find out about eternal life in the Old Testament. And there's a few places that you can. We know that that is expanded a little bit by by Paul and helping us to understand a deeper understanding of it. But you can find out about eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. And so we, Jesus is helping us to understand that. That they are in there. And here he was walking on the earth. And he, he thought those people should understand this. Skipping up to... A couple other verses beginning in verse 45. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? And so we see. That Jesus was correcting them, admonishing them to search the scriptures, and even to look to the scriptures that talked about him in in uh, that Moses wrote. In Isaiah, the ninth chapter, we've read this quite a few times, and I want to read it again in the context of, of this message today. It says For uh, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. This is verse 6 of chapter 9. Verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom... To order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice hereafter even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. And so from this prophecy and especially this child that was to be born. And we read in the book of Luke how this miracle was taken because there was a star up there. And there was a child born. And the shepherds and the angels said this you know, this child was born, so they went and they saw that newborn baby. And then later, and I'm not going to go through all the scriptures because it would take me quite a long time to go through all those scriptures. And you, you really know them if you grew up in, the, um, uh, in, those, in those other congregations for any length of time. You got a lot of that during certain times of the year. And I remember when I was a kid, that was read a lot. But they're also extremely important to understand that Jesus did, was born a little baby, and he did grow up. And as a child, he was visited because it was, he was of royalty. And he was visited by those, you know, I remember I was, when I was in school, we were, we were singing, um, I had a little play, The Kings of Orient we Are, <laughs> and, and, and so I was supposed to be one of those kings of Orient Are. To go and visit with that little child. And of course they got it wrong. They had it as a baby. But we understand that it was a child that was, they were visiting. And they were bringing gifts because the gifts were for royalty. The ancestor of David. The ancestor of David. We'll see that here in a minute. We see also later on that a sadness happened. Because of this, because they went to Herod to find out where this royal king was. We want to go see this royal king. And they told Herod, Where is he? And when Herod heard that, he was very angry. He did not want a potential king to take his place. And so they had to flee. Let's go to Matthew, the second chapter. Actually, I have, just so we can see the Old Testament in this, let's go to Jeremiah. Because there was great, great sadness that happened in in this. Let's, let's look at this and see what happened here. Jeremiah, the 31st chapter, and beginning of verse 15. Just one verse here. I don't know if I can get over there to it. Verse 15. This says the Lord, a voice was heard, in Rama lamentation and bitter weeping Rachel weeping for her children refused to be comforted for her children because they were not in Matthew the second chapter we find out how that happened a very to preserve our savior he had to flee. He had to go. Verse 13. Uh, maybe I'll pick it up in here in verse 11. Let's pick it up where where they, were, uh, where they were actually there. When they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him with gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These are very valuable gifts. But they understood who this child was and how precious. And they worshipped him. They knew who he was. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be you there until I bring you word for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of by the Lord and by the prophet saying and you can find this in Hosea 11.1 Out of Egypt Have I called my son? Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceedingly angry. Sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under. So at this particular time, he was probably around that two-year, two-years-old age, when this happened. According to the time when she had diligently inquired of the wise men. And then was fulfilled that which was spoken of by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, In Ramah was their voice heard lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted because they were not. But when Herod was dead, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take that young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel for they are dead which sought the young child's life and he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into uh, the land of Israel but when he heard um, that uh, Archela Chilas uh, uh, did reign in Judea uh, in the room of his father Herod he was afraid to go there notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in the city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the, by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. So you see how many times we go back to the Old Testament, and you look and you see the prophecies of our, of our Messiah, of our Christ, and how they came out and how they came about. We know Jesus at 12 years old was teaching and learning. You can read that in the book of Luke. His parents actually lost him. (laughs) He stayed there so that he could be taught and learn and actually show that he had understanding because God had given him great understanding and the Spirit. So, John the Baptist... Another prophecy. Let's let's go to Isaiah the fortieth chapter. Let's look at Isaiah the forty. And and by the way, most of us understand that the book of Isaiah is almost the second gospel book because of so much that's in there about Christ and about that uh, the the first coming of Jesus Christ and the and the second coming of Jesus Christ. So let's look at um, verse three. The voice of him that cries in the wilderness. Prepare you the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight. And the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So we go now to to Luke. Where we see this as, as John the Baptist now. Comes on the scene. And begins to reveal the Savior, because that is his. That is what he is there. God has called him to reveal the Savior, and so in in Luke the third chapter and beginning in verse one, we'll see how this works out. Now, in the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetriarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetriarch of Idiomia, and in the reign of um, uh, Trachonitis and uh, Lysanias, the tetriarch of Abilene, Annas and, and Caiaphas, being the high priest, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he came into the country about Jordan, preaching baptism and repentance for the remission of sins. And it was written in the book of the word of Isaiah, the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare you the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain shall, uh, and hill shall be brought low and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. This was a strange individual that preached this. He had rough rough clothes on, probably a rough beard, but his message was power. His message was a message of repentance. His message was a message of repentance and baptism. And he said to the multitude, verse 7, that came forth and to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our fathers, for I say to you that God is able to these stones to raise up children to Abraham. And now also the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? And he answered and said to them, He that has two coats, let him depart, Uh, let him impart to him that has none. He that has meat, let him do likewise. Then he came unto publicans to be baptized, and he said to them, Master, what shall we do? And he said to them, Exact no more than that which is appointed to you. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said to them, Do no violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. That must have been a little bit difficult for soldiers to do that, but that's what John the Baptist told them. Do no violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. And as the people were uh, in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or not, John answered and said to them, All I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I comes, the latchet of shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Whose fan is in his hand, and his will thoroughly purge his floor. And he will thoroughly purge his floor, and will gather the wheat into his garner and be the chaff. And he will burn with fire unquenchable. And many other things in his exhortation preached he to the people. And I can imagine seeing this man out there by the, by the water and preaching. These powerful words, in anticipation of the coming of the Messiah, that Lamb of God. But Herod, the tetriarch, being reproved by him for Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, added yet this above all, that he shut up John in prison. That when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also... Being baptized and praying, uh, the heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And the voice came from heaven which said, You are my son. Uh, you are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. And so we see the, the act of, of, of John the Baptist in all of this as we look into the different things that came up in, in the Old Testament, in in prophecy, looking forward to the to the coming of the Messiah, the coming of of Jesus Christ. That's interesting. Also, let's go to, to number three. Jesus called the branch, the branch. And so, also we can understand where he came from, what his genealogy was. He was of the royal house, and it was very interesting because. In in Isaiah the 11th chapter, in verse 1 it says, There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow forth out of its roots. Now, if you're a scholar, and you know the scriptures, you know Jesse. Who is Jesse? Well, Jesse was the father of David. So, okay, if, if this is something that's going to come through the lineage of the father of David... And it's a branch, and it shall and it shall grow in roots. Then this must be very important. This must be an extremely important scripture to understand. Remember, you don't have the New Testament. You you do not have the ability to look in and see all this stuff. You're looking at the, what we call the Old Testament. You're looking at these scriptures, and you're trying to understand and decipher what it says. What what is coming? Who is this? And so we find out. This individual who is um, of the, uh, called the branch has these characteristics about him. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And so these are the things that, that, that Jesus is going to have. The spirit of wisdom. He's going to have an understanding. He's going to have the spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge. And the fear of the Lord, and he shall make him a quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But his righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove the equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Now some of this we can take into the the kingdom of god into the future because he will continue to, to smite the earth with the power of his voice and command men to repent everywhere and we know that but also we see Jesus use doing all of these things having this kind of spirit about him as he as he walked the earth so let's look at one more one more thing as we know that Jesus Talked about Moses, and and that Moses talked about him, prophesied about him, and you know it's interesting that a lot of the characteristics of Jesus, the humility. Uh, one of the things that Jesus said was, "I am, am bringing my Father's message. It's not my message; it's my Father's message. What I say is what He's telling me." So. When you look at the words of Jesus right, is written in the New Testament, realize that those are Scripture. Just like we would read in the book of Deuteronomy, or Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, where we see the law put down and we understand that. So we look here in the 18th chapter of Deuteronomy, and this is another prophecy. This is another prophecy. If you haven't got this marked, please mark it so you'll understand where this comes from. And and one of the the commissions that Jesus had was to bring this to the people that lived at his time. It was important to understand this. It says in verse 9, When you come into the land which the Lord your God gives you, you shall not learn to do the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that makes his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that uses divination, or is an observer of times, or an enchanter of, or a witch, or, an, uh, or a charmer or a uh, consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination to the Lord, and because of those abominations, the Lord your God does drive them out from before you. You shall be perfect. Which, in that particular instance, that's actually looking at blameless. You shall be blameless with the Lord your God. For these nations which you shall possess, hearken to their observers of times and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you so to do. And so, Moses was very adamant in in, in bringing the word of God to, to his people. The Lord your God will raise you up a prophet from amidst, from the midst of you, of your brethren, like to me, to him you shall hearken, according to all that you desire to the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me neither let me see this great fire any more that I die not. And so the Lord said to me, and so Moses said Moses wrote this down. The Lord said to me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like to you, and put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak them to all that I shall command him. And it will come to pass, that whosoever will not hearken to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of them. So, boy, you know, it, it... The powerful words that Jesus spoke to those people at that particular time and continues to speak to us down through the ages. He speaks to all down through the ages. Understand that we are to be obedient to the words of Jesus Christ because God sent him as a prophet as the one that would bring a message that needed to be made at the end of the the age. And so... You can read on the rest of that, and it talks about uh, false prophets and and those that bring false messages. But Jesus was to come and bring a message of, of truth. In John, the third chapter, in just one verse, I want us to understand about the spirit that dwelt in Jesus. We have what's called the earnest, a small amount. When Jesus walked this earth, imagine all the power that God had given him. As, as, a, as a physical human being. In, in verse 34, of, For he whom God has uh, sent speaks the words of God. For God gives not the Spirit by measure to him. Remember a few things that Jesus said. He says, well, he walked on water. We know that for one thing. But also, he, he, he told his disciples, If I wanted to, I could bring down seven legions of angels. Seven legions of angels to defend him. The power that Jesus had and walked as a humble individual on this earth. is It just makes us want to worship him again and again and just understand more about his spirit and and the power that he had and, and the love he had even for those that hated him. They hated him because of the message he brought. So let's look at the things that we just talked about in uh, Isaiah, the 11th chapter. Wisdom, understanding, uh, counsel, knowledge, and fear. So the first one is wisdom. Let's look at John 8 and verse 1. John 8 and verse 1. John, John went to the Mount of Olives. and uh, and early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman taken in adultery and when they set her in the midst they they said to him master this woman is taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned but what what say you? This they said tempting him, and that he might have, a, uh, have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote in the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said to them, He that is without sin among you, let him, first cast, let him be the first to cast a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote in the ground, and they which heard it, uh, being convicted by their own conscience, went one by one, beginning at the eldest, even the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted himself and saw none but the woman, he said to her, "Woman, where are those accusers? Where are those? Uh, uh, where are those your accusers? Has no man condemned you?" She said, "No man, Lord." And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. So go and sin no more. Now, he forgave her. We can take our own sins to God and God will forgive us. We may, you know, we may suffer some physical penalties if our sins are grievous. But if we have sinned and we go to God through our Savior Jesus Christ and please forgive me, we can see this example. He is, forgive, he is very forgiving but when he says go and sin no more if we truly are repentant we will sin no more in that particular area and I know we all work on things that we have in our life over the, the course of our life but we will sin no more in that if we really go to God and repent so I I, I kind of thought back to, to Solomon one of the first things that he had to do was was have wisdom these two women one child and he finally said okay this is what we're going to do we're going to split this child in half each one of you one of, and the, the mother of the child said no don't do that please give it to her he understood that this was the mother and was not going to lose that baby the other one said oh go ahead I, you know, we don't. and so he understood and that wisdom was there and so I see Jesus having tremendous wisdom while he was on the earth because of God's Holy Spirit that was in him. In Luke, the second chapter, let's go to Luke, the second chapter, beginning in verse, just a couple of three verses here, beginning in verse 46. And he has the spirit of understanding. And, And it came to pass that after three days, now this is when he was young. He was only like 12 years old or something like that. He was young. And they'd been to the feast, and they were heading back. And I think it was the Passover. Um, And they were heading back. And all of a sudden the parents noticed. Wait a minute. He's not with us. Where did he go? That after three days they found him in the temple. So they came back and they found him in the temple. Sitting. This is verse 46. Sitting in the midst of the doctors. Both hearing them and asking them questions. Asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you thus dealt with us? Behold, your father and I have sought you sorrowing. And he said to them, How is it that you sought me? Know you not that I must be about my father's business? So at a young age, he knew what his destiny was, that God was... Teaching him, bringing him along, giving him that understanding, giving him what he needed to face the trials and tribulations that were going to come up. And he needed all of that so that he could face this. A spirit of counsel. Jesus had a very uh, wonderful spirit of counsel. Matthew, the fifth chapter. If you haven't read through these and, and really contemplating what Jesus is saying, and how he is counseling each one of us. And I just picked up right in the middle of this Matthew, the fifth chapter. And I, this is, the, you could read all of this, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Uh, and, and really get counseling from Jesus Christ. And we, we, go, to, we go to our physical counselors for, for things. And if we need help and, and that's good, sometimes we need it. But we also could go to our Savior, Jesus Christ. We can open the book. And we can read what he counsels us as he counseled those disciples in the mount, uh, when he, uh, up on the mountain. And so let's just pick it up just for a few verses here. In verse 13 You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden underfoot. He said, Then you are the light of the world, a city that is set on the hill, cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a candle and put under a bushel, but on the candlestick, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to destroy the law, Or the prophets. (laughs) Counsel, brother. (laughs) He counsels us. This is what we should understand. It should be so basic for us. For every Christian should understand this. I'm not come to destroy the law. Or the prophets. I've come. I'm not come to destroy. But to fill it full. To make it overflowing. To understand it even better. For verily I say to you. Till heaven and earth pass one jot or one till shall not pass from the law till all be fulfilled and, and it won't be fulfilled until all of us are spirit beings in the kingdom of God and will not sin at that time because we won't, be spirit, we won't be physical beings whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments shall teach men so and shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven Whosoever shall do and teach them the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. what counsel tremendous counsel from Jesus Christ you just sit and you read all these words that he talks about he talks about things that you can do between brothers how how to you know how to live. he talks about prayer and how to He gives an example prayer in chapter six and so many different things that he goes through in in all of this and it's all Counseling to help us in our, in our daily life. Tremendous blessing to understand that. The next one is knowledge. Uh, and Jesus truly had a lot of, of, of understanding and knowledge. And so l- let's see. Let's go to John, the third chapter, just real quickly. <laughs> and, and, and this one we go over a lot. But it's kind of an interesting story about Nicodemus and, and how he faced him and, and made some, some comments about it and so let's pick it up here in uh, verse, verse 9 I'm not going to read all of it and, and you all have we've, we've, we've read it many many times about um, you know, being born again and, and, and like the wind and, and Jesus answered and said to him are you a master of Israel and know not these things so he just revealed some very important things And then he asked Nicodemus, "All right, you're the master of Israel and you don't know these things? So where would he find this stuff? Where is he going to find this truth? Well, he's going to find it in the Word, isn't he? He's going to find it in God's Word. And and it's going to be in the Scriptures. That's where it's going to be. Verily I say to you, we speak that we know and testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. If I had told you earthly things and you believe not how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things you know and no man ascended into the heaven but he that came down from heaven even the son of man which is in heaven and Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the son of man be lifted up and we, we had a tremendous uh, sermon by Matt on, the, on this various, very very point here so I won't go over that again But that's so profound. So we look at knowledge. And then the fear. Let's go to Hebrews, the fifth chapter. As Paul explains this quite well, and I think this is um, very interesting. Maybe it is. I can find it. Hebrews 5, and beginning of verse 5. So also... Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest. But he that said to him, You are my son, today have I begotten you. As he says in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So uh, you can find uh, the uh, one quote in Psalms 2.7 and Job 2.7. Uh, you can find the other quote, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In Psalms 110, verse 4. I think a lot of us are very familiar with Psalm 110. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, was strong crying and tears to him that was able to save him from death. And he was heard that he feared. He, and and in this, this word fear, even in the in New Testament, has, has, a, has a multiple thing. But it also can mean very deep respect reverence as well as fear as well as as fear but it also can mean deep respect and reverence for the one that um you know he was talking about which was his father though he were a son yet learned the obedience by the things which he suffered so we see that that jesus um and let's see how far i wanted to go and that was all that on that one so let's look at one more here um beginning in verse uh, chapter 4 of Luke and verse 13 I didn't write a title on that one so I'm going to go find out what the, what I've got written <laughs> sometimes just have to go find out what you put down <laughs> Luke 4 oh I know what yeah uh, Jesus and I'm not going to read this because I've read it many times but Jesus one over Satan with Scripture. It was a, it was a powerful, powerful uh, war that went on. It was a, a, something that uh, Jesus had to face. He spent 40 days of fasting. And when it came down to it, he beat Satan with Scripture right out of the book of Deuteronomy. In this one, he brings Scripture to his own people in the synagogue. Let's pick this up now in Luke, the fourth chapter, and beginning of verse 13. And when the devil had ended the temptation, he departed from him for the season. And Jesus returned in power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in the synagogues, being uh, glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Uh, <clears throat> Jesus' custom what was Jesus' custom? he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read So, um, here's kind of a, a little mirror a little tiny uh, picture into what it was like to be in that particular time to sit in the synagogue and a book was brought and they, they, and they delivered to him the book of Isaiah the book of Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set uh, at liberty them that are bruised. And so you can find that in Isaiah Isaiah the 61st chapter verses 1 through 3 to preach the acceptable year of the Lord he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all of them were in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began to say to them the day this scripture is fulfilled in your ears how profound would that be Wow, the Messiah is here. Uh, No, that's not exactly how they accepted that. And all bore him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, You will surely say to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum do also here in your country. Verily, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent, save to uh, 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 Sarepta, a city of Sidon, to a widow that, uh, to, uh, to a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet. And none of them were cleansed, saving Naaman, the Syrian. And all they that were in the synagogue that heard these things were filled with wrath. And rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill whereupon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But be... But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way and came into Capernaum. So we see that Jesus also had an understanding and the ability to look into the hearts of these people. And that's the reason why he said what he said there at the end, and it made them very upset. Because they were, they were not recognizing who he was, and they were not repentant of the things that... Um, that they've been doing we see one other thing in the prophecies that are in the book of Isaiah a very profound thing that we are uh, yearly that we talk about at the Passover and that is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and it's interesting that the book of Isaiah and the Psalms record the very things, the very agony, the very depth of Jesus' life. And they were there for them to see and read. And if they opened the book of Isaiah, and some did, some understood, some came to to the wisdom and understanding. And remember, Joseph of Arathaea came and asked for his body. And there was uh, others that were were there and wanting, uh, understanding who this individual was. It was The very Son of God. And remember, Peter was able to... You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus... Whoa, the Spirit has taught you this. The Spirit has taught you this. So don't reveal it right now. Don't reveal it. Who has believed our report? We we read this not too long ago, so I'm not going to read much of it, just a few verses here. But I want you to get, uh, get the feel for... What, what it must have been like for Jesus to read it for one and, and for um, others that may have read it later and, and really understood what it said and maybe when they came to that day in Pentecost and, and those things were revealed and all of that was said maybe they looked back and saw these scriptures too for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness and we will sh- when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should uh, desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and esteemed uh, um, and we esteemed him not. surely, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Reg, I appreciate that song before this message. That um, <laughs> Almost, just, it just really gets, gets to me when I think about that song and how um, it really does affect me to think about our Savior having to die um, for my sins and for each and every one of our sins you are wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed all we are like sheep that have gone astray we have turned every one of his own way the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all he has laid on him the iniquity of us all I was going to write in here and I didn't put it in but I might just tell you There's a scripture in Deuteronomy that talks about the curse of someone that's that's hung on a tree. Um, And they were to be taken down very quickly after that because they were cursed. And what happens? Jesus is put on a stake, on a tree, and died. The most horrible kind of death that could, could come about, our Savior, died for you and me. He was oppressed he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as sheep before her shearers is dumb so he opens not his mouth he was taken from prison and from judgment and who shall declare his generation for he was cut off out of the land and the living for the transgression of his of my people was he stricken and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had none he had done no violence Neither was there any deceit in his mouth. And yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When shall he make his soul an offering for sin? he shall see his seed, and he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. I might just go ahead and read the last two verses. He shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied... By his knowledge shall his righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he has poured out his soul to death, he, has, he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore that sin of many and made intercession an for the transgressors. So we see our Savior in the last part of his life was put on that stake for our sins. And yet, we also know, a wonderful thing, that he was resurrected, and he is sitting at the right hand of the Father today. And a powerful thing, we're looking forward to that day when Christ will return the second time, this time, not as that humble carpenter, but as a powerful King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I had a little message here at the end. I said, It's like history. You know, if we fail to learn the lessons of the past, we are bound to repeat them. If we fail to really come to comprehend who our Savior is, I mean, in a deeper, more personal way, to come to to search the Scriptures, to find out about Him, to find out um, all about our Savior, from all the things that are written all the way through the Bible. If we fail to do that, we will lose out on one of the most profound things that we have in the kingdom of God, and that is to be eternal beings with Jesus Christ and God the Father in their kingdom. Our eternal life, I have written here at the last little p, our eternal life is the very work that is continuing on that the Father and the Son are doing in each and every one of us.